That she, her, hers, and we have a special episode for you. But before we get into it, I'll have Corey introduce herself. Hey everyone, it is Corey, and I go by he, him, his pronouns. Exactly, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I said before, we have a special episode for you guys. As usual, come to you as we say in Creole. Um, yeah, so today. We're going to be talking about toxic positivity in relation to the Black community. But before we even get to it, Corey, how was your day? My day? Yeah. Well, as far as my day, it just started. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so generally we record these things at night, but last night was a bit too late, so we're recording it first thing in the morning. Um, but as far as, you know, my week overall, it was a pretty good week. Um, let me see. Always in these weekly recaps, I'm just kind of like, what did I do this week, actually? But no, I did a few things as far as, you know, going out to lunch and brunch and stuff and things like that. Actually, I did go out to this place um, in Newark, Little Tijuana, I think it was called. Um, it was a really good place. They have really good food, really good vibes. The music selection was decent. Um, and they had some decent hookah as well. So that was a pretty good, pretty good time. Wait, Corey, you smoked the hookah? Do I smoke the hookahs? Yeah. Oh, you're a hookah smoker! <laughs> ah, I didn't even know. I didn't know you were on the hookah. I've never on been the on hookah? the hookah. <laughs> you're on the hookah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Because, like, I've always been interested because of how it looks like. I'm like, oh, my God, it's tall for no reason. There must be a reason. But I don't know the reason. So I say it's for no reason. I mean, there, yeah. there is a reason for the design of it as far as, like, how it functions. But, but yeah. Um, I'm not really a smoker in general. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke weed. I don't, yeah, anything that has to be inhaled, I generally don't do it. Um, but on occasion, I'll try hookah. I like, you know, at a party or something. That's about the extent of my smoking, smoking if I smoke anything. Ah, how does it feel to smoke the hookah? Um. I don't know. It's it really depends because for the most part, I feel like hookah doesn't really do anything unless you're just inhaling it a lot at one time. Mm -hmm. um, so you, mo I think people mostly do it. At least I say for me, mostly do it for the flavors of it because they have like different like flavors. They have like fruity flavors and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's less that of like does anything for you unless again you're taking really really deep hits of it but like um yeah mostly just enjoy the different flavors and the vibes and everything so mm, 
that sounds so delicious. Oh my goodness. Wow. Hmm, I've always been interested, but I'm just like, I feel like I don't know how to smoke properly to be a smoker. <laughs> I don't think I know how to smoke properly. I feel like it's an art to smoke. You know what I mean? Like the way you inhale, the way you exhale, the way you hold it in, the way you blow the smoke into different like circles and stuff like they do in the movies. Or maybe I mean, space. I guess someone who's like a smoker, like someone who does cigars or is really into that, that you know, smoking is like a real luxury can be like yeah smoking is like an art form you know we don't just like breathe it in and breathe it out yeah i guess i guess i could see that for some people they could you know see it as their own form of expression yeah i would love to see like the people who could do tricks with it like Mm -hmm. how they make little circles that yeah and i guess that's also the thing with hookah that's compared to like other things it's like because you're just inhaling a lot of like vapor and stuff like that, when you like breathe out, it's just like just breathing out a lot of that vapor back out that, you know, kind of deep smoke or whatever. So if you're someone who likes, just likes the aesthetic of like that really smoky kind of like smoke out of your nostrils and stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. kind of what hookah really does for people. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Wow, you'd be on the hookah. You'd be mm. on the hookah. <laughs> but how about you? How was your morning? How was your week? My morning. Ah, my morning started around 8, and I was, like, talking with a friend, but also, like, um, reading. I was reading this book called the, from Robert Greene. It's called um, The Laws of Human Nature. That's what it's called. And that book i'm on chapter two like around page 80 um where it's talking about narcissism and like you know how like narcissism is on the spectrum like we're all narcissistic we all are like a little self-absorbed but there's like degrees to it there's people who are further deeper on the line who don't know who they are and there's narcissism who narcissists who are healthy enough to use that narcissism to read people and like you know read themselves and whatnot um yeah, and then there's, like, people in the middle who are, like, functioning but could go either way, you know? And um, just hearing people's stories from that book of, like, how, like, the different, like, types of narcissism as well really just had me dissecting myself, like, what type of narcissist am I and stuff like that. And just based on the reading, it's, like, I feel like I have more internal work to do, <laughs> you know? Like, I just, the way he was, like, talking about, like, the the cues or symptoms of like deep narcissism healthy narcissism stuff it made me feel like i could be on the cuffs of deep narcissist or functional narcissist but i'm definitely not a healthy one you know and just making that discovery is like really refreshing because like at least i know where i'm at you know like it's not like what's going on what's happening it's just like yeah i might have like a lot of narcissism in me (laughs) and so i was reading that this morning before talking to you and then um whatchamacallit uh yeah just getting my um articles together for our topic and then this week oh i survived it i survived (laughs) that's all you can ask for sometimes you just gotta survive it yeah exactly i survived it i did incorporate exercise um this week 
not this week literally but like last week i guess um yeah i started incorporating exercise myself for um also um just been eating healthier trying to like eat less in the nighttime work on like you know just what i eat work on like just not eating too much of like the healthy stuff you know um because even with vegetables and fruit i'm a vegan but like certain fruits and vegetables have carbs and stuff that you just have to watch out for when to eat them and stuff um and then i was um hanging out with brothers this weekend really trying to like dive into the family time because um my brothers always complain like I don't spend enough time with them because I'm either on set working on things doing work and um because I work overnight and stuff um yeah I'm always doing something or I'm always in my room by myself just like trying to like relax because of the hard work that I do Mm -hmm. and stuff but I don't spend enough time with them so right now I'm trying to make it my mission to um incorporate some time with my brothers and like you know just spend time with them so i took them to barnes and nobles yesterday and stuff and we were reading my brother is really like becoming more business savvy so like i'm like trying to tell him things that i know now like hey do this do that like you know put some of your money into like investments now you know because he's so young he's only like 13 so like if he puts it in now he'll be retired by 30 you know mm-hmm. and um with my other brother i'm encouraging him to read as well like other books that are not like baby books like books that like will actually challenge him you know so he's reading harry potter right now um and he's 10 years old um so yeah we had fun at barnes um we went grocery shopping um also we went to a, a pancake house that was vegan and i was like ah yes! vegan pancake house yeah oh it's in rutherford it's so delicious oh, that's I- far yeah yeah it's far but like i I live close by it so like it's vegan and it tastes so good and like they have organic maple syrup Mm. organic maple syrup you know yeah and so i i can't wait for the day where they become like ihop and they have different syrups like strawberry blueberry and then like Mm. i can mix all oh my god i you know what i should probably go to picket house after this episode i know i shouldn't spend money Mm -hmm. but like ah Oh, another thing I did too. I went to this vegan cafe to this place called Frenchia's Vegan Cafe. Oh my God. It sells Asian dishes, but vegan. So I had vegan sushi. I feel like there's uh, like, there's already been vegan sushi. I don't know. Like, oh, for example, sushi. like like California rolls and stuff like that. Like the ones that don't do, because there are sushi rolls that don't do meat right that are just like vegetables yeah. and stuff like avocado i think it's an avocado roll or cucumber avocado or roll, yeah but there's a difference they sell like meat related like it's not like meat but like they have like crab mm-hmm. what you'll call it um crab sushi teriyaki chicken sushi oh, and it's like, it's like all like it's different it's on another level because they use it's, like vegan meats oh so it's like all tofu but it tastes like Yes, or seitan, but it mm. tastes like chicken type of thing. And then the crab, oh my god! It's just <laughs> and the tuna, oh my god, oh my god! And then the crab cake, oh my god, oh my god! I'm just so like. What was happy. it called? Um, Frenchia's Vegan Cafe. So F R A N C H I A Vegan Cafe. Mm. It is life. I went twice, and I am down for life again and again. I have to go for the third time. I have to go for a third time. And a fourth okay. time. And forever. We should put a link 
we should put a link to that in the description. Go so there, guys. Yes, go there. It is light. Please mm. <laughs> support. Um, but yeah, that was like the gist of my week. I think my week consisted of a lot of food tasting. That's yeah. always good. Yeah, I I was so happy. Like life is just this is a perfect time to be alive. You know, life is so much better when you have good food. Oh yes, Corey, you know it. You know yep. it. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna get right into it. Um, so Corey, let me ask you, how do you feel about toxic positivity, just in general? Toxic like, positivity. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What is what is that? It's like it's like we just put the word toxic in front of other words and suddenly no. Um, <laughs> um to- I mean, well, how are we going to define toxic positivity, right? So I would say toxic positivity is just another form of like gaslighting, right? It's kind of like when someone's experiencing a certain set of like trauma or issues or whatever, and instead of taking, you know, them seriously and kind of like taking them at their word for how they're feeling, you constantly telling them, oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be all right. You just have to get through this thing and da-da-da-da-da, right? So it's, I think toxic positivity is just another form of a way that we gaslight people into thinking that, you know, they just have to suck it up and take whatever type of abuse or kind of like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They just need to weather the storm they just kind of need to persevere through whatever trauma they're going through instead of you know letting people know that hey you don't actually have to sit through this traumatic experience you have the option to leave without have the option to change or even if you can't change you know if you don't feel like you can change on yourself yeah how can we help you to get you out of your situation instead of constantly saying oh you know that's just life, so you just gotta sit through it. Yeah. No, I definitely I hear that. When you were saying that, it made me think of like toxic positivity being on a spectrum of gaslighting. Like if gaslighting was a spectrum, toxic positivity would be on one end, and then extreme like I guess gaslighting, you know, would be on the other end. Because like for example, when people say like you know everything happens for a reason, it's going to be okay, as you said, right? That could be on one side of the spectrum, but I can see that easily being like heightened and going into like, oh, you'll get over it, you'll be fine. Oh, it's just a hump in the world. Pull it, but from like pull yourself from the bootstraps and just keep it pushing, you know, um, things like that. You start to like get into like the hustle mentality that doesn't have like the grace to be like, hey, sometimes I just feel too tired to hustle. Sometimes I need a break in my hustle. Sometimes I need a break in my grind. You know, um, I can't grind on a consistent basis, you know, and not like I'm human. I'm not a robot, you know, um, but toxic positivity, when we start at that entry point for me, I feel like it can lead to like deeper forms of gaslighting, you know, um, that doesn't acknowledge like and um, something that we could agree with with gaslighting is that it doesn't acknowledge the person. 
Mm-hmm. It, it, it just like cast that person and makes them feel like, yeah, what you're going through is not, not only is it not valid, but it's not that serious, you know? Um, and you're taking like something like when people say like, oh, it's not that serious. You, it may not be that serious to you based on your experience, but you still have to understand people's, other people's experience and how it's different from yours. And you can't be acting like that, you know, and assume that you could put your experience onto somebody and say like, it's not even that serious. It may be serious to them because clearly they're crying about it. Clearly they're going through it. You have to be in a, a place that's supportive for people like that. And that's why like toxic positivity, um, not to say like it's rampant. I just see, I just think that we're noticing it more. Maybe it was always there, but we're noticing it. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely, a lot of these things that we talk about now, whether we talk about gaslighting, this sense of toxic positivity, um, toxic masculinity, right? These things have always existed or they've existed for a very long time. You know, we just haven't always had the language for them or the language we use to describe these things have changed over time. Right. And I think the thing about toxic positivity is as opposed to like just, you know, when we talk about gaslighting, we're usually talking about other people gaslighting you. But I think the thing with toxic, you know, positivity on the being a part of gaslighting is it I think it's usually something we do to ourselves. Right. It's something that, you know, particularly people who have a very kind of like the way that they deal with their issues is to either disassociate with it or, you know, they've been taught and reared up that, you know, when something happens, you either turn the other cheek or sometimes you just got to buckle down and bear it. It could turn into something where, you know, you are experiencing some sort of trauma or harm, but instead of acknowledging the trauma or harm, you just try to smile it away like, oh, you know, this, this is fine. You know, think of, just think of the dog in the burning house. And everything yeah. around you is on fire, but you're like, no, nah, this is this is fine. I'm good. I'm all right. You know, yeah. you're trying to project this aura of positivity and this aura that, you know, things aren't really impacting you, you know, the way that they really are. Right. So yeah. you never give your chance. You never give yourself a chance to really feel or process the things that are going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So because you never really give yourself a chance to feel a process it, you never really get, you can never really like move past it. You can never really, you know, really fix the core issues of whatever's causing you harm because you're just ignoring the harm, you know, to project a positive attitude. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're putting a bandaid on it, you mm-hmm. know? And it causes real harm on people, you know, because people who confine in other people, like I'm sure like you've been through, like when you confine in somebody thinking like they're going to support you and they're just saying for you to get over it or they're telling you that, you know, it could have been worse, you know? Um, And that's how I, you know, I feel like, you know, um, it translates into us as a community, like the black community, especially like how, you know, we're always told when we're talking about our stories, our traumas, you know, um, things that, you know, racially we go through, we're always told, you know, even by our own people, you just got to pull yourself from the bootstraps, or we could still be in slavery, you know, that's, that could always happen, or like, we progress so far, like, why are you still on slavery? Like, it's yeah. missing 
the the hardship that we're going through now, you know, and the constant need for us as Black people to constantly explain that, you know, it's, it's just so much more damaging to us as to the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like other people of color can relate to that as well. Like, I'm sure, for example, for the Asian community, the whole, um, what's that term called? The, um, it's called, um, it's, it, okay. It's a term where that they say where it's like, um, they're like the, um, Oh, the model minority? Model minority. Thank you. Model minority. Like that complex of like being a model minority and how like we are actually going through things ourselves. We're just like, if anything, the invisible minority you know, who, like, we're on, like, that area where, like, you know, people don't see that our pain valid, too, you know, and we may ignore Asian people, you know, or ignore what Spanish people go through, or ignore what Native Americans go through, you know, um, on a racial level, um, so I feel like other people of color can relate to that, where it's, like, we are constantly being gaslighted on a toxic positivity level, you know, mm-hmm. and just so, like, you know, just to stay optimistic when, like, another one of our brothers or sisters just gets shot in the street. Oh, you could just protest that away. That doesn't bring them back. That doesn't, like, help the family heal. Not enough money in the world, not enough settlements in the world to bring that family member back. They are dead and gone forever, you know? And it's okay to feel grief. It's okay to feel rage. It's okay to feel, like, everything that you're feeling because you just lost a life that was very, you know, important to you. But that's not acknowledged at all we're just told yeah. to keep it pushing and so i feel like as like for black people we're always in a state of being gaslighted we're always in a state of not having our stories acknowledged and heard and validated we're always told even by our own people to just keep it pushing keep it moving you don't got time to be dealing with that you know you just got to make it to the top you just got to hustle and grind so you could get like to the beyonce and jay-z statuses and stuff like that like we do not even have compassion for ourselves, you know? And so I feel like on a racial level, Black people are, what you'll call it, especially victim to toxic positivity, you know? Yeah, and the thing about, like, kind of like what you just said, the thing about using positivity, using that as kind of like a defense mechanism is that you don't allow yourself to feel other emotions and you tell yourself that you're not justified in feeling those emotions you know you tell yourself that you're not justified in feeling anger for this particular situation because oh you have to be the bigger person right i think there's this idea that black people there's this idea that black women there's this idea that marginalized people need to always be the bigger person in situations in which they're the ones being having harm inflicted upon them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're, you are harming me, but I can't be mad about it, right? Or I can't have this justified rage and fury about it because then we start getting into this, you know, angry black person tropes or this whole two wrongs don't make a right. It's not about two wrongs making a right, right? It's about you did something to me. I'm justified to feel how I want to feel about it. I don't have to talk nicely to you. I don't have to do any of these things that will make you feel better about the harm you've inflicted upon me. Right? And, but, I also, but I also think there is 
a level of, you know, projecting this sense of being all right, because at the end of the day, we, many of us know that the world doesn't really care one way or the, one way or the other. So we've kind of conditioned ourselves to just not complain about it. We've conditioned ourselves to just, you know, take whatever treatment that we can get because we feel like it's not going to get any better than what it is. So, so why even worry about it? Why, you know, ask the universe for better treatment? Why defend yourself and defend your personhood and your humanity when you know that the world doesn't really care about it, we can just, you know, go about your day and, you know, take whatever you, you can on the chin and just keep it moving. Yeah. Cause then you get into that like abusive cycle to yourself where it's like, you're constantly seeking that validation and acknowledgement for the pain you're going through and never really, receiving it. you're still going to continue to receive the gas line. So what's the point of going through that? know Mm -hmm. so it's understandable on our part for bracing ourselves like you know um and but like the effects are so real like um just from what i was searching on one of the articles um i think it's called medical yeah medical news today um it says a 2020 narrative review of 29 studies of domestic violence found that a positive bias might cause people experiencing abuse to underestimate its severity and remain in abusive relationships. Optimism, hope, and forgiveness increase the risk of people staying with their abusers and being subject to escalating abuse. So even in cases of domestic violence, toxic positivity is really bad, you know? Um, Because then, like, especially when it comes to the religious cultures, right, Um, where they tell you, just forgive like you know what happened to you in your past and stuff like that like it's a new person it's a new day you know um you got to forgive it's not just it's forgiveness is not for the other person it's for you and not really telling you the how-tos of how to forgive you know or like you know just not go walking walking with you as you go through it you know they just tell you forgive it and move on because there's nothing you could do about it essentially you know, um, and at that point, it's not really forgiveness, is it? You know, um, or telling you to stay hopeful in another abusive relationship and optimistic. It's like, no, this relationship is not good for my health mentally, physically, or whatever, you know, the case may be. It's just not working for me. And you should give power to the person who is telling you that and tell them, hey, if it's not making you happy, if it's not making you happy, let me know how I can support you and, you know, walk through this with you as you leave the situation you know because i am here for your happiness and whatever makes you happy that's better than telling somebody oh just forgive that person or oh just stay in that relationship you know like you haven't discovered all of that person yet wait it out like no it, it, it it's it's toxic it's definitely toxic but you know you could see that in many instances like racially like in domestic violence even with our friendship right like you know, how, like, we could find in a friend expecting them to, you know, be there with us, but then seeing that they're not, you know, and, like, how harmful that could be because you think you can rely on a friend, but then that friend is not equipped enough to tell you what the, you really need to hear, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And we kind of talked about that on our positive, not positive, we talked about that on our forgiveness episode, yeah. right? That this idea that, you know, even... F- even forgiveness 
has been weaponized against, you know, the oppressed and against marginalized people to the point where people try to use forgiveness and excuse to not hold people accountable for their actions, right? Okay. But forgiveness doesn't mean, just forgiveness doesn't mean that what you did to me was okay. It doesn't mean that we have to laugh and have a drink about it afterwards, or that I need to leave myself in a space where you can continue to abuse me, right? Yeah. Forgiveness just means I'm not going to, I'm not gonna allow this situation to maintain a hold on me as an individual person anymore. That doesn't mean that what you did was okay, right? Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is for me. It's like, yo, you did what you did and that was fucked up, right? You know, but it, and that was fucked up. I don't have to maintain a connection with you. I don't need to be your friend. If you're family, that even if you're blood, that doesn't mean that we need to continue to be in relationship with each other, right? But that yeah. also means that I'm not going to allow myself to continue to be in a situation where you could continue to abuse me the way you have abused me. Exactly. Exactly. And we need to give power to people who, you know, actually have the courage to tell us something. That's another thing too. Like it is not easy to come up to a friend or come up to someone we confide in and let them know like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Um, and you or yourself is a, are already beating yourself up for it, right? So let's take the incidents of domestic violence. You're already beating yourself up for like, oh my God, I was so dumb to get into this relationship. Oh my God, like, you know, just telling yourself all these hateful things and not giving yourself grace. And then for you to sum up the courage to go to somebody and be like, hey, look, I am hurting here and I, I need help. And, you know, this is what's happening to me. You know, I'm, it's not what I thought. This relationship is not what I thought it would be, you know, and I, I don't know how to get out of it. And then for that friend or that confidant to tell you, ah, no, it's okay. It could be worse. Like, you know, you'll, you'll keep it moving, keep it pushing. Like, just, just keep it moving. It's just a little, little hump in the road and stuff like that. You got this. Then you start to, what happens is that that same person is going to reduce the way they look at the severity of the situation, right? They're not going to see it as severe. They're going to think like, oh, yeah, it's just how he usually is or how she usually is. And then it gets worse. The abuse escalates because that form of abuse is no longer working. We've already, you know, got used to it. We've already, like, acknowledged and accepted that, yeah, it's just a hump in the road. And then the abuse increase and increase and increase to the point where it could risk somebody's life, like death, you know? And then what do you say to that? Nothing. That person's dead. And then that same person is going to be like, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason or like, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, they're going to be in heaven. You know, it's like, no, well, I lost somebody and it hurts like hell. And I, all I need is like, if you can't say anything to me, that's why like for me, I don't like it when like, if I personally experience a loss, like a grief, something I don't like to hear is when people say like, um, you know, like everything's going to be okay they're in heaven or even when people apologize for it it's just like it just doesn't seem authentic to me when people say like i'm sorry for your loss it just feels like okay this is a script that i would say to somebody if they experience a loss let me say that let me regurgitate that script you know and genuinely maybe somebody is probably genuinely feeling sorry for the loss you know but other times it could be somebody's just regurgitating what society has told them it's acceptable to say when someone's going through a loss you know so for me personally I would much prefer somebody just 
you know, tried to hold me and be like, it's going to be hard now, but like, I am here with you in this moment, you know, just cry with me, you know, or cry on me or something like that. Like, I would rather that than somebody say like, I'm sorry for your loss and just keep them pushing, keep them moving type of thing, you know? Cause then like, at least it's being acknowledged that yeah, what I'm feeling hurts like hell or like, you know, and I just need to sit with it instead of like suppressing it and then waiting for like, you know, another moment in my life for it to explode, you know, because that's usually what happens, you know, um, and that, that just, you know, there needs to be more support on that end, you know, because then if we get more support on it, when people actually feel that way, they know how to support themselves, you know, and know how to like push through what they're going through on a mental level. Sometimes, you know, we kind of fall into a narrative of, you know, the strong black woman, or we fall into the narrative of you need to be strong, you know, men don't cry. We fall into this narrative of like, you know, that's just life. Like we fall into these narratives which don't allow us to really feel the things that we need to feel. And sometimes, you know, it could just be the fact that in this moment, Feeling what I need to feel is just too painful. And feeling what I need to feel would be debilitating, right? So sometimes, you know, we need to push it to the, push it to the side so that we can do what we need to do. So that way we don't just break down and just kind of stay in that place, right? So there is acknowledging that, but there's also acknowledging that at some point, you know, we do need to process the, all the things that happen to us. And sometimes, you know what? It's okay for us to say, you know, you know, F everything else that's going on right now. I'm going to take this time for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this time to process the things that I've been through, right? Yeah. On that end. And there's also that you don't have to just take everything on the chin all the time. You know, you don't have to laugh off your abuse if someone is doing things to you that you find harmful or you don't find funny you don't need to laugh it off with them like ha 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 you know how they are they're just joking that's just how they are it's like no uh don't joke that way with me because you know that's not how i roll that's not how i want to i don't find any of that humorous so it's not funny there's no ha 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 right you don't always have to laugh with everyone you don't have to you know take everything with a smile Sometimes you don't always have to turn the other cheek, right? Yeah. It's okay to like let off on people and be like, no, what you're doing is really fucked up. What you're doing is hurtful and harmful to me. And if you keep doing it, then I'm going to cut you out of my life, right? To the best of my ability. You know, sometimes these things happen with like bosses or people who have authority over us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is hard to to remove ourselves from those situations, right? Mm -hmm. But there are other moments in our lives in which we do have the capacity and the ability to say no. We have the ability and capacity to be like, you know what, I don't like this and I don't have to take this and I can leave. Or you can leave and, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. You know, that's another thing we should talk about too, the power of no, you know, and how like, 
it is not respected, you know? That's something that I, I noticed, you know, like, what, for example, right? Um, this is something I was actually thinking about, you know, uh, recently in my head, like how, like, people always want, like, notice how, like, if you say yes to somebody, right? Like, they, when you say yes to somebody, they don't ask for an explanation. They don't, what's your car demand as much like i guess yeah the explanation for like why you say yes but when you say no to something right they always are asking why or how come or something to that effect for you to explain yourself or say no for example right like if they say like um can you go out and buy me ice cream and you say yes there's no explanation as to why you said yes no they didn't need to like explain that at all. But when you say like, um, when they say, oh, can you go out and buy me ice cream? You say, no, they actually, why can't you buy me ice cream? Why, how come? Like, is there something wrong? You know, they always like, people can't respect your power of no. Like even taking the courage to say no is a lot for people. And then people are always asking for an explanation as to why you say no. Like my no is my no. And my no is powerful. And my no needs to be respected. Just like you would respect my yes, respect my no. No is no, you know? And that that also translates to, like, people who have endured um, sexual assault, rape, things of that nature. When women and men have the courage to say no to their, like, to the um, predator, to the person that's preying on them, that predator is not respecting that no the first time. They'd be like, they always make the excuse, was well, the way they said no. They didn't say no strong enough. They didn't say no in this way. It's like, no, no is no. Whether I said it assertively, whether I said it in fear, whether I said it in a different way, if it's a no, then it's a no, you know? And I, it, it, it's, it's so strange how, you know, we don't need an explanation for a yes, but we always need an explanation for no. And I feel like the reasoning behind it is that we we expect people to say to agree with us and when they don't it's like we need to find out why they can't do what we want or why they're just not agreeing with us instead of accepting that you know what that that person just doesn't agree or doesn't want to do it and i have to respect that you know and yeah. that's how like you get into those situations where like you have to constantly repeat yourself like i said no no like if somebody's advancing at you and you said no the first time and they're like come on look why not like come on don't be such a wuss don't be like this or you know why are you being such a slut why are you being such a bitch things like that it's like no i said no the first time if even if i said it in a low tone if you heard no it's no why do i have to keep explaining you know that power of no needs to be respected as well you know yeah and, and it kind of goes yeah and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about you know narcissism and stuff like that and at the end of the day, we all are, you know, a bit selfish. We all, due to us living our own individual singular lives, we, are, we all see ourselves as the center of our lives, right? Everything, you know, revolves around us in some way to either service us in some way. Um, so, like, it kind of goes in, into a little bit to that because when you're saying yes, then you're kind of going along with whatever I want to do and it's cool and fine but when you say no suddenly you're you are exercising your own individual autonomy 
but that kind of contradicts the things that I want to do. And of course, me is the center of my own world. It's like, why would you want to do the things that I want to do? And why would you want to share in these experiences with me? Right. So people always need a reason for no, because like, no, but, but what do you mean? No, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I thought, I thought we were cool. I thought we were on the same wavelength. Like how, what, where, where's the mix up? But sometimes you just have to, and that's where people need to learn to stand, stand fast in their nose, right? Yeah. And not be peer pressured into anything or to be bullied into anything. It's like, if I said no, I said no. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that we're not, you know, friends or I don't like you or I have issues with you in this moment or anything. It's just like, you know, I just, I just don't feel like doing that right now or at all. Yeah. But even that, right? Like what you said, like, no but it or like you said like no because you know i just don't feel like it why do we even need to explain it you know what i mean like when you say yes you don't need to explain it it's just yes okay let's go you know but when it's a no it's like why and then you have to you feel the need to have to explain it's like i said no 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 you don't need an explanation no you know um and like people always feel the need that they have to explain their no's it's like if it's to know, then you don't have to explain it. Just like you don't have to explain a yes, or you don't have to explain your maybes. You don't have to explain anything you don't want to explain because that's your autonomy, as you said. You know, that's what you want to do. If it's a no, you do not want to go to the park. I am not going to tell you why don't you want to go to the park. And you do not have to explain why you don't want to go to the park. It's just a no. I respect my no. Put power on my no, you know? Um, and that's, that's something that needs to be encouraged more too. Cause like, yes, it, it, it's hurtful when somebody says no, the no could hurt. Like when someone says no to you, it's like, ah, I feel a sting of rejection or I feel like, why doesn't this person want to do this thing with me? How come like they don't agree with me as you were saying, you know, but you have to respect that regardless of how you feel, you know, um, just like when it comes to sex, if they said no, you know what I mean? Just be yeah. like, you know, like, I guess let's watch a movie or like, okay, <laughs> you know, um, and you don't even have to demand an explanation from them. It was just no, you know, and if they want to, they can, they could be like, no, I don't feel like it now, you know, um, respect that even more. Cause like, that's encouraging their power, you know, that's encouraging for them to, for you to be the listener and respectable person to be like, okay, she said no. And she also gave me an explanation how kind I do I'm not even I don't even need an explanation but that was really kind that she gave it to me you know or he you know um I think we need to encourage to put power on that no you know and to stand ground on the no even if it's hard like sometimes the peer pressure is so strong and it's just like you know you have times where like let's say you're out with your friends and like let's let's use the hookah example for example right no, let's use a hookah as an example. I said example twice for some reason. Yeah, let's use the hookah as an example. Like you going out to, you know, smoke the hookah, right? You could be like, let's say you have a friend. Let's say me, okay? And then okay. let's say like, I never smoked the hookah and stuff like that. And then you're like, Maxine, come on, smoke some hookah with me. And I'm just like, no. And then you're like, ah, let's go, Maxine. And then you drag me to smoke the hookah. And so I was like, but I said no, and you're like, ah, you'll change your mind. You guys want the hookah. You know what I mean? Like, you got to put the respect on the first no, you know, because the more the person has to explain no, or the more the person has to say no, the more it loses its power, 
you know mm-hmm. um the more the person feels like they have to succumb it starts, it starts off with no there's like no 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 uh, okay you know like it starts to lose its power the more you have to say it you know um so yeah it, it we have to encourage people to say no and put power on the no and we also have to accept people's no the first time because then it's like you're not even listening to me. You're not even hearing me when you don't respect it the first time. You're only hearing yourself and what you want and your desires. And that's not fair because maybe I don't want your desires. Maybe I don't want to smoke the hookah, you know? Maybe I don't want to smoke the hookah. Maybe I don't feel like it today. But if I said no the first time, you got to be like, okay, I'll smoke the hookah myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Exactly. Kind of respecting everyone's ability to consent to what they want to consent to. And to not consent to, to what they don't want to consent to. If I don't want to drink, I don't want to drink. If I don't want to smoke, I don't want to smoke. If I don't want to do whatever I don't want to do, then that's fine. I don't have to do any of that. Yeah. Right? And I don't have to feel guilty about it. I don't have to feel a certain way. And I don't have to smile in your face when I'm saying no. Again, going back to, you know, this thing with positivity, there's also this idea that even when we're saying no or whatever, we need to say no politely. You know, mm-hmm. we need to say things in a very like nice and light tone. You know, there's no tone policing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to say things, I don't have to speak to you softly, I don't have to speak to you nicely, I don't have to do anything, right? Just no, right? Not everything needs to be packaged very nicely and very neatly for you to accept the fact that what you're doing is wrong or the fact that you've caused harm or the fact that I don't want to do what you want me to do. Yeah. No, I, I, it's true. Like, especially when it comes for women too. Like, I feel like women are so, I guess, for lack of a better word, victim to like the whole, like being nice about or polite about how you want to stand your ground, you know, like, you don't have to be nice all the time. You don't have to even say no nicely all the time, as you said. You know, mm-hmm. there could be where you say, like, nah, I'm good. Or no, I'm good. You know, like, you don't have to do that for everybody, you know. Or you could choose who you want to do it too, but it's all up to you at the end of the day. You know, exactly. you could be like, no. Yeah, exactly. You could be like, no. And then, like, you just take it or leave it, you know. That's um, it. That's it. Exactly. And then I feel like there's this pressure, especially, and I only say especially for women because I am a woman. I feel like I see women go through this all the time. There's no like scientific proof or whatever. But like, especially for women, I feel like it's it's a lot of pressure for us to stand on ground on nose because we have, our society has been created to see women as a property. And we mm-hmm. still have that mindset of women being something to possess, something to trophicize. That's not a word, but I made it a word, trophicized. <laughs> but like, you know, they they still don't see women as their own individual person, you know? Yeah. You know, it's even like when you get married, right? I think I talked about this in a previous podcast. Even when you get married, the term husband in Hebrew means possessor. The term wife in Hebrew means woman. So at the end of the day, when that union happens, you're agreeing for a man to possess you. And back in the day, it made it, it as fucked up as it was, 
it had its own it had its own sense at that time because women you know if their family possessed land and there's a man that came into the picture he would claim the land along with the woman you know there's like a whole context to that in the past but now it does not make sense to have those terms you know it makes sense to have partner or my companion or someone i do life with you know something yeah. like that effect, you know instead of like that same term of possessor and woman you know it's still that term is still very prevalent in everyday space um if a woman for example is just you know walking out in the street and this person is like hollering at her saying like hey can i get your number and stuff like that they're like and the woman says no and stuff it's like women now have to come up with like excuses like no i got a boyfriend no i'm married no i'm this no i'm that why can't you just respect the no i said no and he's like, but I could be your friend. No. Like, why are you still making advances? It was clearly a no. I wasn't interested in you, you know? But, you know, men have not caught up to the idea that women are their own people. Women have their own individual needs. Women have the right to, you know, um, put boundaries on their own autonomy and however they see fit, whether you like it or not, you know? Um and I feel like that needs to be something spread, even for men. Oh, my God, even for men, now that I think about it, right? Because, like, you have instances where women are, like, being forceful on a man. Let's say, like, a woman is trying to put herself on a man. And the man is respectfully saying, no, I'm not interested. Or, no, thank you, you know? And then the woman is still advancing, touching him. It's like, no, you're that's sexual assault. You're, like, literally putting your hands on a man. And, like, a man's supposed to just take it because he's a man? Like, no. That's not right either. He said no. Leave him alone. It takes power for a man to say no to a woman's advances because in society, they're told like, oh, you just got to be macho and like take it. A woman is putting themselves on you like you should like just take it and like, you know, fuck her, you know? Yeah. Hit it, hit it. And so like, that's not fair either on that regard as well because what if the man doesn't want to? What if he doesn't feel like it? What if he's not even attracted to him that's pushing on him? You know, like he has a right to his autonomy as well. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, what a topic. Yeah, but um, again, just as a small recap, right? Oh yes. <laughs> just as a just as a small recap, <laughs> you are allowed to feel how you want to feel, right? Um, you don't have to use positivity as a way to, you know, disassociate from everything, right? Again, sometimes we use positivity as a way to gaslight ourselves, right? Oh, that person was just kidding. Oh, they didn't mean it like that. Different things, you know, it's okay to recognize that sometimes people do crappy things, even if they're your friends. It's yeah. okay to decide that, you know what, I don't want to ha-ha and kiki with you. Um, what you did was really fucked up, and I'm not laughing about it. It's okay to feel angry about a situation. It's okay to feel sad about a situation, right? It's okay to take time to deal with what you're feeling and to process your feelings. You know, you don't have to always do it in the moment that you feel the trauma but it's okay to take a moment afterwards to feel what you're feeling right you, no one has to be positive and happy and chipper 24 7 
right? Yeah. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be neutral. You know, I'm not really particularly happy or particularly sad. I'm just, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle, just, just coasting and chilling. And yeah. that's okay, right? Allow yourself to feel your entire range of emotions and don't feel like you have to put on a facade for the people around you, you know, even for your family. Sometimes we feel like we just have to be positive and we have to put on a happy face, you know, just to keep those around us happy. But, you know, it's okay to let the people who love you and care about you know that, you know what, I'm not particularly happy right now. You know, I'm kind of going through it. And that's okay because I'm still here and you're still here. We still love each other. And you know, you can be here for me and I can be here for you, even if I'm not always in the best mood. Yeah. And I'm not super chipper and happy all the time. Exactly. And you don't have to apologize for it either. Exactly. I have to apologize for it. Yeah. Power in your nose. And, you know, you have the right to every autonomy that's, you know, you. Like, you have the right to your autonomy. You have the right to yourself and whatever you want to yourself. Um, but before we wrap up, um, I, I want to give like some tips on how to avoid toxic positivity and a person can avoid imposing toxic positivity because um, the medical news today recommends, like has some recommendations that we probably already touched. Um, so the strategy for like self-imposed toxic positivity is recognizing negative emotions as normal and an important part of the human experience, identifying naming emotions rather than trying to avoid them, talking with the trusted people about emotions, including negative feelings, and seeking support from non-judgmental people. That is so important, non-judgmental people, such as trusted friends or therapists, you know? Um, and then a person can avoid imposing that toxic positivity by encouraging people to speak openly about their emotions, getting more comfortable with negative emotions, avoid trying to have a positive response to everything a person says, and recognize that intense negative emotions often coincide with powerful positive emotions, such as when profound grief singles intense love yeah so those are some tips i hope it does help our listeners um i'm definitely going to take some because maybe i you know i have to reflect on my own life if i did that to people you know which is what i want to see if i've ever done that maybe and just let people know that's what i need in my life too so i i really hope it helps you guys yeah and as always thank you for joining us for this conversation if you have any comments about this situation or if you have any examples in your life when you know you find yourself using positivity as a way to disassociate with what was happening or you using positivity as a mask and you feel like you want to share that then feel free to send us an email at cozychatpodcast.gmail.com right and as always you can always hit us up on instagram and twitter at cozychatpod Yes, indeed. Um, yes, and my Instagram handles, um, and so well, my social media handles, I should say. Um, for me, is um, Instagram is Maxine score Antoine, and Facebook is um, NBA Productions NJ. That's all I have. Oh, and YouTube. Oh my God, how do I forget YouTube? YouTube, I'm Maxine Antoine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and on both, and on both Instagram and Twitter, I am. Young Royalty 580. Yes. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. And please stay tuned for next time, okay? Because we have more topics for you that are interesting and always Black-centric. <laughs> yes. And thank you for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! <laughs>